BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Joe Biden wants you taxed to the brink, under the thumb of the IRS, and controlled with a digital dollar. That's why thousands of hardworking patriotic Americans are opting out by diversifying their savings with the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo. Right now, GoldCo is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver, but only while supplies last. So don't wait. Go to HannityGold.com to learn how to get started today. That's HannityGold.com. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal's not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code SEAN, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. Today, I have the honor of welcoming my friend, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, to the White House. With this visit, the United States again reaffirms our unbreakable bond with our cherished ally, Israel. The partnership between our two countries, built on our shared values, has advanced the cause of human freedom, dignity, and peace. These are the building blocks of democracy. The State of Israel is a symbol to the world of resilience in the face of oppression. I can think of no other state that's gone through what they've gone. And of survival in the face of genocide. We will never forget what the Jewish people have endured. Your perseverance in the face of hostility, your open democracy in the face of violence, and your success in the face of tall arts is truly inspirational. 
The security challenges faced by Israel are enormous, including the threat of Iran's nuclear ambitions, which I've talked a lot about. One of the worst deals I've ever seen is the Iran deal. My administration has already imposed new sanctions on Iran, and I will do more to prevent Iran from ever developing, I mean ever, a nuclear weapon. Our alliance is based on a, on a deep bond of common values and common interests. And increasingly, those values and interests are under attack by one malevolent force, radical Islamic terror. Mr. President, you've, uh, you've shown great clarity and courage in confronting this challenge head-on. You call for confronting Iran's terrorist regime, preventing Iran from realizing this uh, terrible deal into a nuclear arsenal. And you have said that the United States is committed to preventing Iran from getting nuclear weapons. You call for the defeat of ISIS. Under your leadership, I believe we can reverse the rising tide of radical Islam. And in this great task, as in so many others, Israel stands with you, and I stand with you. Mr. President, in rolling back militant Islam, we can seize an historic opportunity. Because for the first time in my lifetime, and for the first time in the life of my country, Arab countries in the region do not see Israel as an enemy, but increasingly as an ally. And I believe that under your leadership, this change in our region creates an unprecedented opportunity to strengthen security and advance peace. Let us seize this moment together. Let us bolster security. Let us seek new avenues of peace. And let us bring the remarkable alliance between Israel and the United States to even greater heights. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. And finally, one, if I can respond to something that I know from personal experience, I've known President Trump for many years. And to allude to him, uh, or to his people, his team, some of whom I've known for many years, too. Can I reveal, Jared, how long we've known you? <laughs> well, he, he was never small. He was always big. <laughs> he was always tall. But I've, I've known the president, and I've known his family and his team for a long time. And there is no greater supporter of the Jewish people and the Jewish state than President Donald Trump. I think we should put that to rest. Thank you very much. That, what you just heard in this joint press conference with the Prime Minister of Israel and the President of the United States, one of our two top stories today, this was the most historic moment and both left very big clues as to where this is all heading, and it is, it is a remarkable moment that after eight years of hostility, former President Obama showed our closest ally and the only democracy in the region, in the Middle East, such hostility, such transparent hatred even at times, in my opinion, to see this just with one president one day. It was like when I interviewed Trump I said, will you start the process of repairing relations with Israel? And he said, looked at me, it's already done. It's already repaired. And I, I, it's not often in an interview that I get flustered a little. I got a little flustered because that's all he said on it. It's done. I fixed it. I'm not, things are different now. And if you pay very, very close attention 
to the deep. You see this deep friendship that they already had established years ago. And I've known the prime minister going back, you know, decades now and consider him a friend. But I also think for a long time he was the only leader on the world stage, the prime minister of Israel, that had the moral clarity and understanding about the evil that exists in our time, which is radical Islam. And we had a president that wouldn't even say those words. But if you listen, when, the, when President Trump said one state, two state, whatever's going to work, you know, I'll think any, any new way, any new paradigm, I'm willing to make it work. We will work out a deal. It is possible. Was historic. And he did say, Let's, maybe you should hold off on settlements for a while. But it was, there was no rancor. There was no, there was no contentiousness. There was the deep re- abiding respect and commitment to shared values that we would want with our closest ally. It was a pretty amazing moment. And then Trump went further. He said, no, there's a possibility now for a bigger and better deal. And that, to me, was a clue. And when the prime minister said, and I stand with you, Mr. President, in standing against Mal- and, and your stand against militant Islam. And then he said this, we can seize a historic opportunity for the first time in my lifetime and for the first time in the life of my country. Arab countries in the region do not see Israel as an enemy, but increasingly as an ally. And I believe under your leadership, this change in our region creates an unprecedented opportunity to strengthen security and advance the cause of peace. Let us seize this moment together. I believe history potentially very strongly could look back at this press conference at the be- as the beginning, the start of real peace in the Middle East. Now, what do I believe? They're suggesting here, and I've I've been saying this now on the air for some time, things in the Middle East have shifted dramatically, especially in, in light of Iran's nuclear ambition and Iran's obvious desire for hegemony in the region and Iran's hostility towards Egypt and hostility towards Saudi Arabia and what has been building. And I think the the prime minister alluded to this. And I don't think even I don't know if he meant to or not. Because even Donald Trump's, well, I didn't know you were going to be saying that, but okay, yeah, I agree with that. What I, what I interpret that to be, my own personal point of view, is that we are seeing the emergence of an alliance that could be the strongest in the history of the world. In other words, not unlike World War II, where enemies joined forces to defeat you know, radicalism known as Nazism in their time, evil in their time. So it is not beyond one's imagination to see that an alliance with America, the United States and Israel and Saudi Arabia, because their very existence similarly is threatened. Remember, the Iranian sponsored rebels were fighting them through Yemen and still are. So they have a a common enemy. We heard the speech of General al-Sisi of Egypt when he took on radical Islamists. The Jordanians, in many ways, I would argue, are hanging by a thread at any moment is the possibility of radicalism taking over in that state. So you could see and add Great Britain to the mix. You could have the U.K., the United States, Israel, Saudi Arabia, the Jordanians and Egyptians joining forces to defeat Iranian aggression, the number one state sponsor of terror. And hopefully in the aftermath, it leads to a never-ending peace. But as the prime minister said, there are certain conditions that must occur. The Palestinians must recognize Israel's right to exist as a state, as their homeland. 
and they have to stop calling for Israel's destruction and death to Jews and all the other anti-Semitic things that have gone on and stop educating their kids, you know, towards radicalism. And Israel must retain the right to secure borders and control over the entire area of the west of west of the Jordan River. And if those two conditions, which the prime minister has always laid out or met, a deal can be struck and a peace can be struck. And instead of constant, almost unrelenting fighting over the decades, it might come to an end. I think this moment in Donald Trump's presidency could be the most historic yet. Let's see. Time's going to tell. Now, of course, our other big story is, you know, I've always said journalism is dead. And what you now seeing playing out as it relates to General Flynn now proves everything that I have said about the press, the media. They are abusively biased. The press in this country has an agenda and they're lazy. And most of these people are overpaid. But they have with their, the, the, I don't even call them mainstream, the left propaganda media. There's a massive informational crisis now going on in the country. You know, the media is rushing to complete the narrative. You got NBC's Chuck Todd, the same idiot that said that the seven-country temporary ban was a religious test. He's now claiming this is worse than the Iran-Contra scandal. Chuck, you know, you know Tim Russert. Not even close. You're the opposite of Russert. Russert would have waited to get this right. Anyway, and yeah, Flynn was wrong for not telling the whole story to the vice president and the president. He paid a big price for that as it relates to his call with the Russian ambassador. There's no evidence that he broke any law. There's a great article out today about how, as a matter of fact, the the 1799 Logan Act, not a single person has ever been charged with this, passed by the Fifth Congress in response to a state legislator who tried on a personal level to negotiate peace with France. That's not what happened. He's the incoming national security advisor reaching out to his counterparts. That's his job at that time, to begin the process of transition and getting to know people. If you want to talk about the law and what laws may have been violated, well, I have laws that I can point out to you. Let's look at 18 U.S. Code 798, the disclosure disclosure of classified information. In other words, leaks from the intelligence community. Whoever knowingly, within the intelligence community, I'll add, willfully communicates, furnishes, transmits, or otherwise makes available to an unauthorized person or publishes or uses in any manner uh, prejudicial to the safety or interest of the United States or for the benefit of any foreign government to the detriment of the United States, any classified information, that's a crime. And then the New York Times comes out with this big, big headline today. You'd think, oh, my gosh. By the way, the same New York Times where Tom Friedman is comparing this to Pearl Harbor in 9-11, Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. Okay, the only problem is once you read it, there's a lot of caveats in there. The intelligence agencies, they, they go on to say the officials interviewed, you know, say they had seen no evidence of cooperation with the Russians. It's not unusual, by the way, for Americans to have contact with foreign intelligence officials sometimes unwittingly in countries. But the issue here is we have a law. It's an Espionage Act. That's what it's called. And in the Espionage Act, if they are surveilling Russia or Russian ambassadors, as was the case here, and they hear an American voice, they identified as General Flynn, they're supposed to shut the recording off when he talks. And they're not supposed to disclose it. Because if they do, it becomes a police state, as our friend Eli 
Lake said yesterday in his piece, as we had on the program. Now, I'm going to explain exactly what's going on when we get back, all right? We'll also get to your calls. Those are our two top stories today. Very, very optimistic after this press conference. Now, I do have one programming note. I will be in Washington tomorrow interviewing Prime Minister Netanyahu. I also have an upcoming interview with the Speaker of the House. All right, so I'll give you more information as that becomes available. But what happened today is is incredible history before our very eyes. Now that Uncle Joe has left the building, maybe we can get back to bringing jobs home. That's Jobs, J-O-B-S. This is the Sean Hannity Show. You've got to understand the scope of what happened here. We have a government that does their job. We have an intelligence community that does their job. It's, it's called SIGINT or SIGINT, intelligence, S-I-G, SIGINT, right. And so what they do is the NSA, the CIA, other agencies, they do their job and they spy on countries for our national security, national defense. That's what they do. And... When this happens to not have a violation, it is the leaking of which is a violation. Whoever knowingly, willfully communicates or otherwise makes available to an unauthorized person publishes any classified information obtained by the processes of communication intelligence from the communications of any foreign government shall be fined under this title or imprisoned more than 10 years, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So it is when intelligence agencies by law. When they identify that an American is on the line, they are supposed to minimize the recordings of the American individual because it's not legal for the government without a warrant. This is a constitutional principle to to listen into other people's conversations. Then you have holdovers, leftovers from the Obama administration within the intelligence community. Now, this should be fairly straightforward in finding out who did this. Because it's a felony, it's a violation of the Espionage Act, and it's also, in many ways, dangerous to our national security. I, I don't think the lie here is, or what's labeled a lie by so many is that significant, because I think it would be standard operating procedure for an incoming N- national security advisor to talk to his counterparts in Russia. And especially if there are growing hostilities, yeah, there's the new sheriff coming into town, things are going to change. These are not new things because they were expressed repeatedly by the Trump administration. And so when you have, who was it, Glenn Greenwald, I guess, in his piece, although he takes a different position than me, he had a very thorough piece that he wrote, you know, when the senior U.S. government official committed a serious felony and uh, extreme crimes were committed by what the Washington Post called nine current and former officials who were in senior positions at multiple agencies at the time of these calls. And Flynn privately discussed U.S. sanctions with Russia. And then he didn't tell the vice president the truth. And that's where it became a, quote, trust issue. This is not a violation of the Logan Act, which nobody's ever been prosecuted under. But the question is, the danger here is, is the government could be intercepting your phone calls, making those things published. And that is, by definition, in my mind, the very definition of a police state. I'll explain more on the other side.
They could have been traitors in the White House. The things that are being said, the misinformation, the disinformation, the propaganda media, the alt-left propaganda media is beside itself. And they're doing any and every single thing that they can do to bring down not only the president, but they want as much collateral damage as they could possibly create. Now, the problem that they've created for themselves is that they've, they're, they're reaching so far and they're throwing so much up against the wall every day. They, they, they have missed, number one, the political earthquake that is unfolding before our very eyes, a massive, a massive restructuring of government in Washington and the bureaucracy in particular. They're missing the overall damage and threat to journalism itself, which its impact is going to be hard to measure for a long, long time. And also, they're missing the big picture of an agenda that is getting completed. You know, so, you know, you have Chuck Todd out there. The media is, you know, this is worse than Iran-Contra. Isn't it great for him to jump to conclusions? You know, the same guy that said the the ban on seven countries, countries was a religious litmus test, even though it didn't impact 90% of the world's Muslims. Is, is NBC proud of this guy? Is that they proud of their programming? Do they even have any fidelity to the truth whatsoever anymore? That's why journalism's dead. Just totally dead, done, complete. And they advance these false narratives and they avoid the biggest issue here. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll agree. General Flynn was wrong. He should have told the truth, the whole truth to the vice president and the president, and that's where the issue came up for him. Not anything legal as you are being told on a regular basis. But, you know, as we're re- reporting here, there's no indication that Flynn misled the FBI when they interviewed him. He didn't break any law. If you're citing the 1799 Logan Act that's never been used before, good luck with that. Because it's not going anywhere. And we know as much, and I'll get to that in a second, because congressional Republicans have told us that. Now, you know, look at what Tom Friedman, the New York Times, the paper of record, compared it to 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. Here's what he said. I, I share uh, Mika's real outrage on this issue. I don't care what he told Pence. We only care what he told Pence because Pence went out and uh, basically misled the public on face the nation. The issue is, what did he tell Trump? Um, did he and Trump actually cook up this whole thing yeah. after the Russians did not respond harshly to the eviction of their spies and diplomats? Trump actually tweeted out some positive encouragement of this. Did the two of them cook this up all along? And it gets Joe to two other issues. Uh, The first is we have never taken seriously from the very beginning, Russia hacked our election. That was a 9-11 scale event. They attacked the core of our very democracy. That was a Pearl Harbor scale event. Can you imagine if Hillary Clinton, you know, where where Trump was, what, what the right would be doing on this issue? This goes to the very core of our democracy. This is it. This is the paper of record. The New York Times. I'll get to more on that in a minute. Doesn't make sense. There's been no evidence that Russia hacked our election. Not one bit. It's never been proven that the leaks from about Hillary came from the Russians. Just the opposite, as a matter of fact, is in recent days, we've been learning more and more about it. You know, but they don't, you know, did they not read the joint report from the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security? And it found that Russia didn't, did not interfere in vote total in any way. Well, how's that interfering with our election? 
And what's the difference between what President Obama tried to do to Bibi Netanyahu with taxpayer dollars, no less? He tried to infiltrate and defeat Prime Minister Netanyahu, which was a disgrace. Then you got you got disgraced former anchor Danny Rather. He says on Facebook, Watergate was the biggest political scandal of my lifetime until maybe now. It was the closest we came to a debilitating constitutional crisis until maybe now. I'm like, seriously? Then you've got, you know, all these people in the media patting themselves on the back, you know, praising the media for making Flynn's resignation possible. You know, it's uh, it's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the alt-left media and their coordination and this misinformation claiming that the president's temporary travel ban is a religious litmus test or anti-Muslim. You know, it makes for good fear-mongering, but the facts are very op- uh, just the opposite. You know, the media says, oh, voter fraud, they can't prove voter fraud. Nobody's proven voter Well, what about a Mexican citizen living in Texas named Rose- Rosa Maria Ortega sentenced to eight years in prison for vo- voting illegally in 2012 and 14? What about the incidences that we found in Detroit and elsewhere? You know, the 75 percent of the over 600 people arrested here, you know, when they talk about the immigration raids had been convicted of felonies like murder, sexual assault, drug trafficking, the 72 people. It's all examples of how corrupt the media is here. Now we have the House Intelligence Committee chairman who's now out there saying Representative Devin Nunez who's going to be on TV tonight that. There's going to be hell to pay if the FBI cannot explain why General Mike Flynn's private conversations were wiretapped, transcribed, and released to the media. Because, as I've been saying, that's a violation of the Espionage Act. And it's not going to be that hard to find out because I'm telling you right now, the people that have access to those transcripts are very, the numbers are very few. And the law is clear, 18 U.S. Code 798. Whoever knowingly, willfully communicates, furnishes, transmits, otherwise makes available to an unauthorized person or publishes or uses in any manner prejudicial to the safety or interest of the U.S. and for the benefit of any foreign government to the detriment of the U.S. any classified information. That is a crime. That is a huge crime. And all the other things that I said to you, comparing it to 9-11, comparing it to Pearl Harbor, I think maybe the media is in a little bit in an overreaction mode? Could they be in the mode that they, they want to take down a president? You know, what about all the Obama holdovers here that could be responsible? Anyway, back to Nunez for a second. He said, I expect for the FBI to tell me what's going on. They better have a good answer. They better. You realize the danger of having your government tap your phone calls, release the information to anybody they deem a political threat? Do you understand that America, as we know, it's gone? It's over. It's done. And yet that's what the intelligence community, now some in that community politicize, and I have great respect for intelligence and intelligence gathering and the need for it. And, and uh, we, we need leaders that respect human life, and we need leaders that use that intelligence for good, for, for good reasons, not bad reasons. So, yeah, we, they better have a good answer. The big problem, he says, I see here is you have an American citizen who had his phone calls recorded illegally. Now, the Washington Free Beacon 
They have an interesting piece out. The Trump administration sources are telling the Washington Free Beacon that the attempt to discredit General Flynn was engineered by Obama holdovers inside the administration who coordinated their strategy with Obama allies in the media and elsewhere. That is what I was saying yesterday. They said it a little more succinctly than I did. Anyway, the piece goes on. Former Obama administration confidants wanted to handicap President Donald Trump and the national security apparatus and preserve the nuclear deal with Iran in a behind-the-scenes effort to plant a series of damaging stories about Flynn to the national media. The effort said to include former Obama administration advisor Ben Rhodes, the architect of a separate White House effort to create what he described as a pro-Iran echo chamber. He's nothing but a propagandist and a liar, including a small task force of Obama loyalists who would deluge media outlets with stories aimed at eroding Flynn's credibility, according to multiple sources. The operation primarily focused on discrediting Flynn, an opponent of the Iranian nuclear deal, in order to handicap the Trump administration's efforts to disclose the secret details of the nuclear deal with Iran that had been long hidden by the Obama administration. We don't even know what they are. Because once again, Obama disregarded the law and, of course, separation of powers and co-equal branches, and he didn't go to the Senate as this was a treaty. Insiders familiar with the anti-Flynn campaign told the Free Beacon that these Obama loyalists plotted in the months before Trump's inauguration to establish a set of roadblocks before Trump's national security team, which includes several prominent opponents of diplomacy with Iran. They first reported this in the Free Beacon in January. Quote, it's undeniable that the campaign to discredit Flynn was well underway before Inauguration Day with a very troublesome and politicized series of leaks designed to undermine him, said one veteran national security advisor with close White House ties. This pattern reminds me of the lead up to the Iran deal and probably futures uh, features the same cast members, which is it's actually Ben Rhodes, National Iranian American Council. And the Iranian Mullers celebrating today, said one veteran foreign policy insider close to Flynn in the White House. They know their number one target is Iran, and they all know and they all knew their little secret sacred agreement with Iran is going off the books. So they got rid of Flynn before any of the secret agreement even surfaced. And Flynn had been preparing to publicize many of the details about the nuclear deal that had been intentionally hidden by Obama and his administration in an effort to garner support for the deal. In other words, how to lie to you. What did Julian Assange once say? He said, transparency makes for good governance. One of the things Trump has been doing is pretty transparent. Flynn is now gone before anybody can see what happened. The concern the campaign against Flynn is going to be extended to other prominent figures. I guess they're going to try and pick them off one by one in the Trump administration. This was not the result of a series of random events. Now, did Ob- and then did anybody know that Obama's ambassador, remember we told you, before he even got elected? His eventual ambassador to Russia went to Russia to meet with those counterparts. Well, did he promise to weaken NATO during his pre-election Moscow visit? I mean, think about that. We noted the Washington Post before he was elected, Obama dispatched his future Russian ambassador, Mike McFaul, on a trip to Moscow. Well, nobody that's upset now was upset then. And the Post made no mention of who he met with or what they discussed. But we've learned some more disturbing details Turns out one week before the 2008 election, and Obama was pretty confident he was going to win, he met with Russian officials and openly discussed weakening efforts to expand NATO. 
And in an October 2008 article, the U.S. elections come to Moscow. Wow. Obama's been working to improve clarity of vision for relations with Russia. One of his foreign policy advisors, Mike McFaul, made a trip to Moscow to meet with various Russian officials and interest groups speaking off the record and answering questions. Anyway, including as well as Russia's concerns about Ukraine and Georgia receiving NATO membership action plans. Also, they might have, you know, by these standards, Ukraine is far from united on the issue of entry into NATO. And while many are undecided, according to if Ukraine were to receive a membership, it seems like they got a promise from the incoming president. House Intel chair is pretty sure Obama didn't get a warrant to wiretap Flynn. This is an interesting point, too. Devin Nunez said that there are only two ways that intelligence agencies can listen in on an American's phone call after obtaining a warrant or inadvertently, such as in the case of Flynn, who was speaking with his foreign official counterpart being spied on. Nunez said it's pretty clear there was no warrant. And it's pretty clear that's not the case I'm pretty sure the FBI didn't have a warrant on Michael Flynn to listen to an American's phone call. You would have to go to court. There'd be all the paperwork there. So I'm guessing it does not exist. Whoever did it, it's illegal, he goes on to say. Well, oh, I'm sorry. You didn't hear about this on ABC yesterday or today or NBC or CBS or MSNBC. You didn't read about that in the New York Times today? New York Times. Eli Lake got it so right. The political assassination of Michael Flynn. And it's so right. Jeff Lord had a good piece. He's going to join us later about that as well. And now the issue is, who are the former Obama officials, loyalists, that are waging a secret campaign to oust Trump officials? And why are they doing it? You know, I'd like to know. Is this an Obama coup? You know, Flynn was ousted by former Obama officials. Why? To protect the Iranian deal. The House Oversight Committee, by the way, they're not investigating Flynn, according to Jason Chavitz. There's nothing to investigate. And even the White House counsel told President Trump no crimes were committed. You know, there's an enormous problem of this bureaucracy. This is the swamp of Washington. Even the Kremlin played it down for crying out loud, but who believes them? Anyway, they took down, you have anonymous, unaccountable, unelected spies that took down Michael Flynn. And then you have, you know, this is what police states do. And the New York Times goes on to say, oh, Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. But there's and they also said in the piece, there's no evidence of such cooperation. (laughs) Why did you write the piece? It's so pathetic. And I say we have an informational crisis and journalism is dead. This is the work that they should do. You know what these people are? They're lazy. They are abusively biased. And they're overpaid, and they've done you, the American people, a severe disservice. You're listening to the talk show host who still works harder than the president of the United States. It's in the home. It's the Sean Hannity Show. All right, we continue our top two stories today. In the next hour, we'll check in with former ambassador uh, of the U.N. for Israel. Dory Gold is going to join us. Also, our top story is who in the intelligence community is violating the Espionage Act and leaking information to politicize all of those in the Trump administration. And are these people Obama related? And how do we get to the truth? And will they convene 
a grand jury? Will the attorney general do this? And where does this go from here? It's not where the media is telling you it's going. They're way off track. We'll get to that and more in your calls. 800-941-SEAN as we continue. Michael Flynn, General Flynn, is a wonderful man. I think he's been treated very, very unfairly by the media, as I call it, the fake media in many cases. And I think it's really a sad thing that he was treated so badly. I think in addition to that, from intelligence, papers are being leaked, things are being leaked. It's criminal action, criminal act. And it's been going on for a long time before me. But now it's really going on. And people are trying to cover up for a terrible loss that the Democrats had under Hillary Clinton. I think it's very, very unfair what's happened to General Flynn, the way he was treated, and the documents and papers that were illegally, I stress that, illegally leaked. Very, very unfair. Illegally leaked. Anyway, glad you're with us. Hour two of the Sean Hannity Show. Two top stories today. The historic press conference, a meeting with the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, and the President, President Trump, earlier today. Dory Gold joins us at the bottom of the hour, the ambassador, former U.N. ambassador, and currently the foreign ministry director. So we'll get back to that, but it's everything we have now discussed. It is now an intelligence community that has time after time, they're clearly leaking and waging war against the current administration. How many Obama holdovers are waging this secret campaign? How many were involved in the leaking of intelligence to oust General Flynn? You know, as anybody in the media, do they dare discuss that Obama's ambassador to Russia, even before he was elected, you know, did he promise to weaken NATO during the pre-election Moscow visit that nobody seems to pick up on? We now have the House Intelligence Chair that's saying he's pretty sure Obama did not get a warrant to wiretap Flynn. These are all violations of law. And as Eli Lake, who I thought wrote a great column yesterday, he was way ahead of the curve, the political assassination of Michael Flynn. And I think it goes a lot deeper. And, of course, it's if you look normally, intercepts of U.S. officials and citizens are some of the most tightly held government secrets for good reason. Selectively disclosing details of private conversations monitored by the FBI or the NSA gives the permanent state, meaning the swamp, the bureaucratic class, some that may be in intelligence that care more about politics than security of the country. That is not everybody in intelligence. I have great respect for the intelligence community, but it gives them the power to destroy reputations from the cloak of anonymity. Quote, this is what police states do. And Devin Nunez, who's going to be on TV tonight, said to uh, Eli Lake about the leaked conversations, this does appear to be a well-orchestrated effort to attack Flynn and others in the administration. So that is the real story here, unlike what the media is talking about, oh, Watergate 2 and everything else that they have been saying, and how they breathlessly report so many things that just are not true. But I think the real story is former Obama loyalists waging a secret campaign to oust Flynn and threatening to oust others. Who are these leakers? Who are these people? And was Flynn really a victim of this coup? And anyway, so uh, joining us now to discuss and talk about it is Patrick Poole, national security terrorism correspondent for PJ Media, Rich Higgins, vice president, intelligence, national security programs, former manager with the Department of Defense, combating terrorism, technical support and irregular warfare support program. In other words, black ops. 
And Joe DeGeneva, founding partner of the uh, law firm DeGeneva and Tunsing. Welcome, uh, both of you. And, of course, he's been, you know, around Washington many, many years. What's your take, Joe? I don't think there's any doubt, Sean, that what started right after the election as an effort to delegitimize President Trump has now transmogrified into a new form of what they call the resistance, which is the violation of federal law by the leaking of signals intelligence to news organizations in an attempt to basically stage a coup d'etat individually against people and individuals and even the president himself. There's just no doubt at this point that federal criminal statutes under the Espionage Act have been violated. The Attorney General Jeff Sessions should impanel a grand jury, issue subpoenas to a number of people. There's a fairly limited number of people who have access to these intercepts and the transcripts of them. Get every one of those people in front of a grand jury start taking testimony, and get to the bottom of who has violated the Espionage Act. There simply is no doubt that someone or some group of people, both current and former individuals, are responsible for this. And by the way, this is not the daily routine of our daily intelligence people who work at the ground level. This is being coordinated by senior officials, uh, former senior officials, and current senior officials in the intelligence establishment and it needs to be weeded out immediately, and a signal needs to be sent that a grand jury is going to be formed, and people are going to be called before it to give testimony. I think that's very, very important that they do it. Otherwise, I think it's going to keep happening. Um, let me play, uh, Patrick, I thought you had an incredible piece that you tore up the New York Times piece from uh, late last night, early into today's edition. You know, Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. And then you even point out what they say. The officials interviewed in recent weeks said that so far they hadn't seen evidence of cooperation, even though they insinuate it. And also we have anonymous sources. The New York Times obviously trying to do a hit piece. And then you have Tom Friedman, New York Times. This is what he said. I don't care what he told Pence. We only care what he told Pence because Pence went out and uh, basically misled the public on face the nation. The issue is, what did he tell Trump? Um, did he and Trump actually cook up this whole thing yeah. after the Russians did not respond harshly to the eviction of their spies and diplomats? Trump actually tweeted out some positive encouragement of this. Did the two of them cook this up all along? And it gets Joe to two other issues. Uh, the first is we have never taken seriously from the very beginning, Russia hacked our election. That was a 9-11 scale event. They attacked the core of our very democracy. That was a Pearl Harbor scale event. Can you imagine if Hillary Clinton were, you know, were where Trump was, what, what the right would be doing on this issue? This goes to the very core of our democracy. Is there any evidence, Patrick Poole, to support that <laughs> at all? Any evidence that you see? Because I haven't seen it. Uh, Sean, that's one of the most remarkable things about this incident is that time and again with all these media reports, uh, there's no there there. Everything has been based off of anonymous sourcing. You know, there's been, uh, I've not seen a single publicly identified source in any of these Washington Post, New York Times articles. And uh, Charles Krauthammer made the point uh, the other night. He said, you know, this is, this is a cover-up without a crime. Um, there's nothing with what uh, General Flynn did as the incoming national security advisor 
this conversation, even if they had discussed sanctions. Uh, there was nothing well, illegal or illicit involved in Well, they try to t- point to the Logan Act from 1799, of which no, not one person has ever been prosecuted in any way. Obama's own future ambassador to Russia actually went there before Obama was even elected. What did he discuss? I mean, that would be as, as equal, the equivalent or worse. And, uh, and Rich, I know there are great people that are in our intelligence community, and I, I don't want to disparage them in any way, but certainly you've got to admit that there are those here that, as uh, Joe DeGeneva pointed out, that are clearly playing politics and, and violating the Espionage Act. Sure, Sean. I mean, th- this is this is covering up for the past eight years of malfeasance. Um, their dealings with the Muslim Brotherhood, their dealings with Iran, uh, policy mess after policy mess after national security disaster after disaster. What are they going to do? I mean, my, my point to the, the Trump administration is when you are going up Omaha Beach, you keep going. You press the attack. You have to expect them to come after specific individuals inside of your apparatus. But it's really important that we understand that Trump's fun, fighting a forefront war. The president is really under attack by the media, the left, elements of the bureaucracy, and the rhinos. And this form of political warfare is going to continue. We know that you know up next on their list will be Bannon and Miller and Kellyanne and Gorka. And you know we have to understand that the battle that was the election is going to be the battle that is this administration. We have to maintain that discipline and keep that steady pressure on the system. Yeah, I want to go back to the issue of the law, Joe, which is where you are an expert more than anybody else that I know. But this is not the only instance of this. This is happening time and time and time again. And is it just the Espionage Act that we're talking about? What other laws potentially could have been broken here? Well, there's a pattern here. Uh, Sean, that's been going on now for a number of months, and it predates uh, the inauguration. Uh, There are a number of federal statutes. There's wire fraud, there's mail fraud, there's all sorts of statutes that can can be used here. But the ones that matter the most are the signals intelligence statutes. Now, if any of these people, for example, let's say Ben Rhodes or John Brennan is interviewed by the FBI, they have to tell the truth when they're interviewed or take the fifth. If they lie, then, of course, you have what's called a false statement. You'd have a thousand and one. If they lie before a grand jury, you have perjury as well as false statements. So the most important thing for the administration to do now is to have the Department of Justice initiate a serious federal criminal investigation and start interviewing people who have access, and it's a very limited number, who have access to the actual intercepts and the content of those intercepts. In other words, a lot of people might know that someone was intercepted. They might know that, but they would not necessarily know the contents of the interception. So the number of people who actually know what was in the recording, what was in the intercept, is a very limited number. I I think this is very important. This is not a complex investigation. Uh, You've you've heard repeatedly, oh, it's difficult to find out about leaks. No, it isn't. The Obama administration used subpoenas to the news media against James Rosen at Fox. Not only did they get his phone records, his business records, his bank records, but the records of his parents out of town because they wanted to make sure that he wasn't sharing information. I want you to explain here. The, the, the intercept here was not against General Flynn. The intercept was with his Russian counterpart. In that other words, and, and so, and that is part of ongoing intelligence gathering by the NSA, by... The routine, C- routine, routine surveillance and collection. Okay, but when, but when in the course of them doing their surveillance, they get American citizens. Uh, Eli Lake, I think, wrote it best when he said... 
This is almost never disclosed because people can be destroyed. Sean, this is when an American citizen is known to be on a recording, the recording must stop. They then must get permission from the court to do what's called minimization and reduce the amount of information from the American citizen that is recorded. What has happened here is one of the most egregious violations of the Espionage Act that you can think of. And the fact that there is no federal investigation already, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's only because we don't know about it, because this is so serious that the people who have done this not only would lose their clearances and be suspended, they would be indicted. These are serious felonies. Nothing is more egregious than this. Remember the, the nonsense we went through with Valerie Plame because somebody, quote unquote, identify her. It was Richard Armitage from the State Department who right. leaked her identity and to Bob Novak. Remember how the world remember how the world stopped spinning on its All axis right, when right that there. happened? Where where is the outrage now for this? I, I really hope that Jeff Sessions is meeting with his national security assistant attorney general this morning and they are impaneling a Hang grand on jury. One second. I agree with everything you're saying, but I got a break. Stay right there. We'll come back. We'll continue with our panel. Putting America and Americans first. Now there's a novel idea. You're on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue with Joe DeGeneva, Patrick Poole, and Rich Higgins are with us. I didn't want to stop you mid-sentence. You want the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, to empower a grand jury today. Explain. It is fairly obvious that people with very, very special access to signals intelligence have disclosed it illegally, criminally, to news organizations. The administration uh, has the power to use the grand jury to subpoena all of the people who had access to this information, and it can subpoena the phone records of news organizations and anybody who had contact with these individuals. This is routine. It should be done. Compared to the Valerie Plame case, this is a hundred times more serious. This is as bad as it gets. Very powerful statement. Patrick, you did a great analysis. We're going to put it up on our website because we just don't have time to get into everything. But you pointed out that the hit on Flynn, you believe, was orchestrated by senior Obama officials. Explain. Well, uh, we uh, from uh, Adam Kratos reporting last night at the Washington Free Beacon, um, I, uh, three, three names keep coming out, even in my discussions uh, with people at the White House. Uh, ben Rhodes, the former Deputy National Security Advisor under Obama, John Brennan, the former CIA Director, and Sally Yates, the Acting Attorney General that uh, President Trump had to fire uh, for insubordination here several weeks ago. And, um, you know, as, as Joe uh, has pointed out, uh, this, is, uh, this is it. I mean, if, uh, if the deep state can strike at a sitting administration like this, uh, they can come after anybody. Uh, this is as serious as it gets. And I hope is, the is this... people can sort through the, all the hand-wringing to see that this is a real danger. 
Rich Higgins, I agree. Is this what police states do, as so many have uh, implied? And I tend to agree with Laura Ingram and Eli Lake. And <clears throat> if I asked Joe DeGeneva, I think he would agree. Is this is this what we see in police states? This is definitely what we see in police states. This is the intended outcome of the past eight years. Uh, you know, Obama's allies are embedded deep inside the bureaucracy. Uh, there are leave-behinds in place. Uh, we are going to have to conduct a, a serious house cleaning uh, to get this Ship, uh, get the ship righted. And as, do you agree with Joe from your intelligence background that it is easy to find out who these leakers are based on the few that would have knowledge of what the actual contents of these conversations that uh, were intercepted had? Well, I think there's two things that we need to look at. Number one is Obama signed an executive order in January of 2017 on his way out permitting the National Security Agency to share raw signals intelligence. Unprecedented. We also know that this information, I mean, even in the intelligence community, this is a very specialized area. Wow. Uh, and for this to be coming out, um, it, re- it really, I, A, I think we can find out who did it. B, I think they should be indicted. And C, it's very important that they do because there are a lot of good troops out there in the intelligence community that are doing the right thing. You're right. And for them to have this kind of monkey business going on, it just it's demoralizing to them. This is, this is a very powerful half hour. I want to thank all three of you. I promise you we'll have you all back because this is not over and should just be the beginning. And if we don't get to the bottom of this, we have no national security and we have no privacy in this country. Thank you all for being with us. We really appreciate it. What you saw today with the Israeli prime minister and the president is nothing short of historic. Dory Gold, the Israeli foreign ministry director, former UN ambassador, joins us next. Today I have the honor of welcoming my friend, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, to the White House. With this visit, the United States again reaffirms our unbreakable bond with our cherished ally, Israel. The partnership between our two countries, built on our shared values, has advanced the cause of human freedom, dignity, and peace. These are the building blocks of democracy. The State of Israel is a symbol to the world of resilience in the face of oppression. You can think of no other state that's gone through what they've gone. And of survival in the face of genocide. We will never forget what the Jewish people have endured. Your perseverance in the face of hostility, your open democracy in the face of violence, and your success in the face of tall arts is truly inspirational. The security challenges faced by Israel are enormous including the threat of Iran's nuclear ambitions, which I've talked a lot about. One of the worst deals I've ever seen is the Iran deal. My administration has already imposed new sanctions on Iran, and I will do more to prevent Iran from ever developing, I mean ever, a nuclear weapon. Our alliance is based on a a deep bond of common values and common interests. And increasingly, those values and interests are under attack by one malevolent force, radical Islamic terror. Mr. President, you've, uh, you've shown great clarity and courage in confronting this challenge head-on. You call for confronting Iran's terrorist regime, preventing Iran from realizing this uh, terrible deal into a nuclear arsenal. And you have said that the United States is committed to preventing Iran from getting nuclear weapons. You call for the defeat of ISIS, 
Under your leadership, I believe we can reverse the rising tide of radical Islam. And in this great task, as in so many others, Israel stands with you, and I stand with you. Mr. President, in rolling back militant Islam, we can seize an historic opportunity. Because for the first time in my lifetime, and for the first time in the life of my country, Arab countries in the region do not see Israel as an enemy, but increasingly as an ally. And I believe that under your leadership, this change in our region creates an unprecedented opportunity to strengthen security and advance peace. Let us seize this moment together. Let us bolster security. Let us seek new avenues of peace. And let us bring the remarkable alliance between Israel and the United States to even greater heights. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. President Trump has led a very important effort in the past few weeks, just coming into the presidency. He pointed out their violations, Iranian violations on ballistic missile tests. By the way, these ballistic missiles are inscribed in Hebrew. Israel must be destroyed. The, Palestine, the, uh, rather, the Iranian uh, foreign minister, Zarif, said, well, well, our ballistic missiles are not intended against any country. No, they write on the missile in Hebrew, Israel must be destroyed. So challenging Iran on its violations of ballistic missiles, uh, imposing sanctions on uh, Hezbollah, preventing them, making them pay for the terrorism that they uh, foment throughout the Middle East and beyond, well beyond. Uh, I think that's a change that is clearly evident uh, in, uh, since President Trump took office. I welcome that. I think it's, uh, let me say this very openly, I think it's long overdue. As far as settlements, I'd like to see you hold back on settlements for a little bit. Uh, we'll uh, work something out, but I would like to see a deal be made. I think a deal will be made. I know that every president would like to. Most of them have not started till late because they never thought it was possible. And it wasn't possible because they didn't do it. But Bibi and I have known each other a long time. A smart man, great negotiator. And I think we're going to make a deal. It might be a bigger and better deal than people in this room even understand. That's a possibility. So let's see what we do. Let's start. Doesn't sound too optimistic, but that's... <laughs> says good negotiator. That's the art of the deal. I also want to thank... <laughs> this was history in the making today. The joint press conference between the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, and President Donald Trump today. And uh, you could see the relationship, the thaw was was and the magnitude of the thaw of what has built up hostility over the last eight years and what true friendship is really all about. I want to go back to what you just heard the president say and what the prime minister said. The prime minister said, Mr. President, and you know, talking about radical Islam, we can seize a historic opportunity for the first time in my lifetime and the first time in the life of my country, Arab countries in the region, do not see Israel as an enemy, but increasingly as an ally. And I believe under your leadership, this change in our region creates an unprecedented opportunity to strengthen security and advance peace. Let's seize this moment together. Well, I could say for the first time in my lifetime that there's absolutely what he said there is true. And what the president reiterated, he said a bigger and better deal. Now, what to me that means is very, very simple. I think what has happened now is you see there is great fear and trepidation about the Iranians and a nuclear-armed Iran, and so that has now created alliances that perhaps didn't exist before. 
And in other words, who would have thought, for example, an alliance with the United States, Israel, potentially Egypt? We've heard the speech of General al-Sisi, the Saudis, which are clearly uh, afraid of the uh, nuclear-armed Iran. The Jordanians could all join together to stop Iranian hegemony in the region, and finally terrorists will be on the run as they have a joint goal of peace for the first time, with even a Palestinian solution in the process. Now, there's no better person to ever, if you ever go to Israel, and I suggest you go, there's no better person to ever give you a tour of Jerusalem than Ambassador Dory Gold, and I had the honor and privilege and pleasure of, of getting such a tour from him. His uh, knowledge is encyclopedic. And his friendship has been one that we've had and shared over the years. He's the former U.N. ambassador. He's current, currently the Israeli foreign ministry director. Sir, how are you? Sean, good to talk to you. This is the most optimistic I have ever felt about potential peace in the Middle East and peace for Israel. And it's also the strongest, I believe, the, the alliances between our two countries that I've ever seen in all the years that I'm alive. Well, I think what's significant about the meeting between Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Trump is this understanding that we need a different peace strategy. For years, we've been lectured to make peace with the Palestinians and the Arab states will line up. It was proven not to be true. But now we have a chance of working with Arab states who see us as allies, as Prime Minister Netanyahu said, build a network of peace with them, and the Palestinian issue will be resolved at the end. But we, because we are both threatened by Iran, in the case of Egypt, we're both threatened by the Islamic State, by ISIS. Uh, this is drawing us together. It's just like NATO. NATO was formed in 1949 when you had uh, a number of countries used to be at war with each other, France and Germany. But they both, both faced the mutual threat of Soviet tank divisions in Central Europe. And they drew together under American leadership, and they transformed uh, the whole situation there. That's what we can do in the Middle East. Okay. Am I wrong in my belief system? Now, again, nobody's saying it, but I, I did think that those remarks by the prime minister and the remarks by the president, the president said, bigger, better deal. The prime minister said, for the first time in my life, my country, Arab countries in the region do not see Israel as an enemy, but increasingly as an ally. We heard the speech of General al-Sisi. We know the fear, the, the real, genuine, clear and present danger the Saudis know they face. We know the Jordanians face the same threat. Is there, and I know there's been an emerging alliance and shared intelligence over the years, recent years, and a growing friendship, if you will, between all of these countries. Am I wrong? You're 100% right. I won't get into intelligence cooperation. But I will say there's more demonstrated uh, connections. There's still a little bit of uh, fear about being too overt. I think what the president was saying when he said in a, uh, a bigger and better uh, peace arrangement, he's talking about these Arab states, bring them in. If we have the same perception of the threat, if they see us as an ally and not as an adversary, let's build on that. Those are low-laying fruit for, for diplomats to, to lock in a new peace. It's going to take a lot of work. It may not be so simple. But the, it's, it's, it's right in front of us, and we should really try and work that and move that forward. What did you think of the comments about maybe just temporarily we'll stop settlements, move the negotiations forward, and, and what, what did you think of those remarks? And what did you think of the obvious re deep respect and friendship that was on display today? Because I do not characterize the last eight years the same way. Well, settlements have never been the issue. You know, when 
I became foreign policy advisor to the prime minister in 96, one of the things you get to do, you get to open the safe and take out all the secret documents of the previous government. And I look at those documents and I discover that uh, back in 93, when they signed the original Oslo agreements, Arafat was considering demanding a settlement freeze. In the end, he didn't. And his people signed the Oslo agreements without a settlement freeze because it wasn't the main issue. Settlements will be dealt with as another negotiating issue, just like the other five issues for permanent status. So it's, it's not necessary to trump that up, excuse the pun, and uh, to, to make a big deal about it. And that's, I think, the attitude of the prime minister. And frankly, I think the president probably isn't that far from that. Uh, he just doesn't want that issue to get in the way. We have a responsibility to the Israelis living in the West Bank, in Judea and Samaria, to address their needs, just as the Palestinian Authority has a responsibility to address the needs of Palestinians living in Palestinian towns and villages. Hang on, if I may interrupt you just one second, Ambassador. Stay right there. We'll continue more with Dory Gold. Final hour roundup is next. You do not want to miss it. And stay tuned for the final hour free-for-all on the Sean Hannity Show. current Israeli Foreign Ministry Director and former U.N. Ambassador, Ambassador Dory Gold is back with us, sir. So we have this historic meeting that goes on today. Where do we go from here? Well, I imagine after a summit meeting, usually uh, the two sides break down into some kind of uh, working groups that talk about, okay, what, what are our next uh, steps? But if, if I may for a minute just get to the subject of Iran, which both gentlemen stressed very strongly. You know, people aren't always aware of this, but the famous Iran deal, the JCPOA, never dealt with directly the issue of missiles. That was dealt with by a U.N. Security Council resolution. And as a result, the Iranians feel free for the next decade to build as big of a missile force as they want. And they assume that at the end of that decade they will be free of their nuclear restrictions, and then they can build the warheads to put on top of those missiles. In other words, in 10 years, 12 years, you're going to have a new little Soviet Union, not run by communists, run by ayatollahs. That is extremely dangerous, not just to Israel, but to the world. But by you know, but you know something, America. Ambassador, one of the, over the last eight years, I have said many times in this program and on my television program that we've had really one adult on the world stage that had the moral clarity to understand radical Islamic terror. Now you have a friend and a partner. We have now strengthened at a, to, to, a, to an unprecedented degree uh, an alliance that of shared values and an understanding of evil in our time. Isn't, that, isn't this a moment where great things can happen? I agree with you, and I think we have a shot at bringing in the British as well. I agree, too. So you had a big three back in uh, World War II, 
Of course, one of those was the Soviet Union. But now we have a chance of having three countries that will be democracies, that are democracies, that will see the dangers in a similar way and will coordinate on how to make the world more peaceful and how to neutralize the threat of radical Islam and, of course, Iran. Uh, you know, uh, and that is our hope and prayer. The one thing that we cannot have, A squared, B squared equals C squared, we cannot have radical Islamic terrorists, the number one state sponsor of terror, coupled with weapons of mass destruction, or it will result in a modern-day holocaust. It must be prevented at all costs. And I do believe with this new alliance and this new partnership that great things can happen, and even people that used to be enemies will join in this alliance, and that is a very, very good moment for the world to see. Well, I agree with you. I can just tell you, as a private citizen, and I I left the foreign ministry not long ago, uh, but as a private citizen back in 2015, I came to Washington with a Saudi major general, and the two of us stood in the Council on Foreign Relations, and we attacked, criticized the Iran agreement. You Israeli, did. Saudi, that was impossible before. That's such a good point. I'm up on a, on a hard break here, uh, Ambassador. You're a dear friend. I'm very happy about what happened today. And I think that this is a great moment of world history. And just building upon this and following through, uh, I expect great things to happen. Sir, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Our news roundup information overload is next. to do whatever is necessary to keep our country safe. We will not allow people into our country who are looking to do harm to our people. This is keeping the American people safe, and that has a market. This is about a ban on Muslims that is unconstitutional and immoral. This executive order is so bad and so poisoned, and its genesis is so bad and terrible that he ought to uh, just throw it in the trash can. Freedom is back in style. Welcome to the revolution. We burning down the night, shooting bullets at the moon, baby. This is how we roll. Sean Hannity. The new Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. In the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. During these first 100 days, what has surprised you the most about this office, enchanted you the most about serving in this office, humbled you the most, and troubled you the most? Now, let me write this down. (laughs) Surprised? Troubled? I've got, uh, what what was the first one? Surprised? Surprised? Troubled. Troubled. Enchanted. Enchanted. Nice. And humbled. Public and 
party that I worked for for two decades died in this room tonight. We are now represented as a party by a man who believes in protectionism, isolationism, and nativism. The feeling most people get when they hear a Barack Obama speech, my, I felt this thrill going up my leg. It was just a relentlessly dark speech. He was describing some Mad Max America. I have read in history being in moments where there's some big authoritarian movement and some leader that's rising up. And I felt that way tonight. America will forever be indebted to him for the character that he showed and for the class that he showed and the dignity that he showed beyond reproach. On that song of hope that brought him to the White House, part campaign speech, part State of the Union, sermon on democracy, a song of gratitude and hope. You go back to that old thing of bashing Washington, D.C., the old Marion Barry days, bashing uh, Baltimore and Chicago. Those city names evoke minorities. Twelve years to the day he burst on the national scene, two-term President Barack Obama gives his political valedictory. Grateful, emotional at the end, thanking the American people for picking him up when he was down. Passing the baton, as he said, to Hillary Clinton. Behavior throughout his first press conference as president-elect raises some serious questions and implications for American democracy and questions about how our institutions will deal with him. And so far as Trump is trying to equate fake news with good journalism that might have uh, made a mistake, yeah. he's trying to create a post-truth environment. Mm -hmm. The environment right now is so far from normal. We're so far from the norms of respect when it comes to the president or the president-elect talking, at least saying the right things about respecting the First Amendment. Nobody can talk about America uh, like Barack Obama, aside from maybe Ronald Reagan. I'm not going to be hearing a speech like this from a sitting president for the next and four look, or eight years. Treason's greetings. General Flynn wasn't acting alone. He wasn't going rogue. He was doing what his boss ordered him to do. And as for Flynn investigation, it's going to turn into Flynn impeachment sooner rather than later. I have led in talking about impeachment. And some people say, well, it's too early for that. It's never too early if you understand how dangerous this man really is. He'll go down in history as both a consequential and excellent um, president um, viewed from the very beginning of the country until now. I think that his, his economic record alone in terms of saving us from the Great Depression, if that's the only thing you knew about no. him, uh, even if he hadn't been the first African-American president doing it, that alone will put him um, in, the, in the top 10 presidents in U.S. history. They might try to wipe all this, uh, this communications but clean, but those communications exist. They exist and they will come out. And once they come out, I guarantee you Republicans are not going to stand by when impeachment is put on the table. The question is whether this will be the new norm. I think this has the potential to have a chilling effect. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. You forgot Ashley Judd at the end of that, but I get the point. Anyway, what a what a comparison of the first hundred days. What has enchanted you, President Obama, sir? Oh, no, oh, anointed one. Oh, great one. Yes, Mr. Hope and Change, the tide shall shift and alter and the winds will stop blowing when we want them to stop. And then, of course, the worst record of any president in modern history and uh, the treatment versus Donald Trump. He didn't get a single day honeymoon, not one. News Roundup, information overload. We'll get to your calls coming up here. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Rick Unger, senior political contributor, Forbes.com, co-host of Steel and Unger on Sirius XM. Jeff Lord, former associate political director in the Reagan administration, columnist, author of the best-selling book, What America Needs, The Case for Trump. 
and uh, welcome uh, all of you. Our two top stories remain today. Obviously, the leaking of private intelligence, once again, against the Trump administration, a clear violation of the Espionage Act. Will the president get or will the attorney general impanel a a some type of group to get in there and start asking questions, a grand jury perhaps, to look into the crimes that have been committed. We could talk about wire fraud, mail fraud, um, intelligence fraud in some way, cover-up, espionage act, a lot of laws in play. And I know that's not your main concern, Mr. Unger. Yeah, well, it, it it is in part. Hey, Jeff, good to talk to you, man. It is in part. I mean, look, this doesn't have to go down a single track. If there's been illegal leaking, uh, I don't blame you for being concerned. At the same time, I think we have to also pay attention to the information that we got that was leaked. Uh, I do want to say, though, that you're both being very consistent, you and Jeff, in complaining about this because I know you were deeply concerned about the illegal rating of somebody's personal computer and the DNC when it was Hillary Clinton who was illegally rated and leaked. They broke into, illegally, they, who who in, it's who, not legal who in to the break into somebody's computer? Who in the intelligence stuff? community do we know did that? It, it was the Russian intelligence. Well, maybe. Community. Well, can you prove that? Because you'd be the first person and, that could prove that. It's and, a nice theory. And, it's a nice hypothesis. Well, I think everybody pretty much agrees. I don't know. I, I don't think everybody well, agrees in any then form. You can talk to the intelligence communities here who seem to believe that. It's okay, true. but there's been you know a lot of different reports and no evidence presented. So until you get evidence, or you sound like the New York Times today saying, <laughs> well. A big headline about Donald Trump, but then in in the context and the text that they write, well, we have no evidence of such That's cooperation. True. They did. Yeah. They did. They wrote a whole front page story, which was a pretty interesting story, and they later added those two paragraphs. Yeah, those two way. little caveats yeah, that they stuck in there. That story. It, it, it does confirm there that, that there were a lot of communications but between it's very the Trump different. campaign, but it, it doesn't say they did anything wrong. But it's very different, Jeff, when you have Hillary that recklessly put her server to avoid congressional oversight in a mom and pop shop bathroom closet and right. broke the law and somebody hacked into it. We don't know who versus the intelligence community in clear violation of the Espionage Act purposefully for political reasons leaking information to hurt the Trump administration. Why is it political to That's right. That's right. This is what this is what President Reagan used to call, quote unquote, bureaucratic sabotage. And he had an example that had him all fired up. His first he had six national security advisors across his two terms. And the first and the fifth were both fired, uh, the, the fifth because of Iran-Contra. But the first one, it was a screw up here where Mrs. Reagan had given an interview to a Japanese magazine when the president came into office. The magazine insisted on paying a thousand bucks. So Richard Allen, the security advisor, to save her embarrassment and, and not embarrass the Japanese, took the money, put it in his safe, forgot about it. And then when he went to switch offices later, the safe was open. They find the money. This kicks off an FBI investigation, the Justice Department, all of this on the QT. And somebody from the Justice Department leaks this. He was cleared, totally cleared. But the media firestorm did him in. And and he wanted to stay, and President Reagan felt at that point it just wasn't doable. But President, what President Reagan got so upset about was that he knew that this was not about Richard Allen. This was about him. This was about people, bureaucrats in the Department of Justice, who didn't like Ronald Reagan and wanted to attack him personally and attack the administration and embarrass them by doing this is exactly the kind of thing that's going on except now it's worse well but how, now this is this is sabotaged with by intelligence agencies you know it just the sitting president of the united states jeff uh, sean makes a point when he says that nobody's come up with the proof and the evidence about who was behind these raids on on hillary clinton okay 
isn't it the same situation here? You know, you're, you're not giving equal time to what the data is that we're being told. Now, I do not know yet if this data amounts to anything. I don't know if the findings of the intelligence uh, folks that we're hearing about every day now amount to a hill of beans. We'll see as time goes by. But it just seems kind of imbalanced that Rick, all this a- focus on on intelligence bad behavior, but no focus on or interest in whether or not anybody was behaving pretty badly in the Trump campaign right, wait, 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 communicating wait, wait, with on. the Russians. The only law that would be in play as it relates to the national security advice. Well, but that's what the point is. I mean, he's an incoming national security advisor who had conversations Conversations with his counterparts. He's taking over the job. He's reaching no, out. He was still during the campaign. Okay, well, okay, but then Obama he wasn't. Well, okay, then let me tell you. Before the election, Obama's Russian ambassador went to Russia and spoke to them. Why weren't you concerned about that? Actually, the only, the only point is, you know, the the fact that there's conversations that go on with people, um, especially related to the important issue of sanctions, which came later. As I understand, the actual contact came after the election, as it relates to well, General no, Flynn. Not what they're reporting now. That's the, the General one, Flynn. The one that got General Flynn in trouble was right, after, after the election. Okay. So my my point is, but that is exactly what his job is here. The Logan Act, That's right. you know, if he, well, but he can't, he well, can't minute, if he can, if he commu- wait a minute. But the Logan Act's never been used. It's been no, on the books since 1799. That's right. Okay. So the point is that if if he's having a conversation, I'll throw this at Jeff, with his Russian counterpart in the lead up, and let's say the president, in you know, during the interim between being elected and becoming president, has conversations with his incoming national security advisor about, well, we're not going to let this stand. Make sure you know that there's a new sheriff coming into town. There's nothing illegal about that. As a matter of fact, it probably helped calm the waters of tensions. Well, that's right. Actually, that's you right. could make an argument it was under the Logan Act. No one's going to pursue it, but you no, could make no, that no. argument. It, it, but, if you know, Sean, you, you pointed out that Barack Obama sent somebody over there to Russia. Let's, let's not forget, he did something very public that required cooperation from a foreign government. When he was the Democratic nominee, he went over to Berlin and gave this massive speech in the middle of Berlin. Well, I assure you, as a sitting United States senator and the Democratic presidential nominee, he had to have had interactions with German government officials of the day. Nobody said, what's he doing talking to the Germans? Nobody said, let's invoke yeah, the Logan there was no There was no evidence or investigation going on suggesting that the Germans were attempting to play in our election. Election. Big difference. Well, and, and, and Jeff, I got, I'm going to ask you this. They, Jeff, they, let me ask you a question. They play in our election by letting him come there and give mm. this mass speech in the middle of that's, Berlin. That's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty thin defense to the argument. Let me ask you this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the easiest way I know to ask, and I won't ask Sean because he hates when I ask him questions on his show. Well, you never invited me was, on your show for crying out loud. We did invite you. You never said Hannity, come on this we day. We did so. We Linda, did, so. did he ever? We did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see? Well, okay. nobody ever Once told again, me. I'm right, Hannity's wrong. Jeff, my question well, for you, hold quick question. Hold, we gotta, that okay, thought, hold, hold the question. Hold that thought. Hold okay. the thought. All right. Ready to repeal and replace Obama's executive orders? Then you've come to the right place. The Sean Hannity Show.
right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. Your call's at the bottom of this half hour. Our other top story today, of course, is the historic press conference between the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, and the President, President Trump, at the White House from uh, earlier today. And I think two things really stand out in my mind. Donald Trump, the President, saying, well, we could get a bigger, better deal. Maybe one state, maybe two state, maybe bigger, better. And then the Prime Minister saying, we can seize on this historic opportunity for the first time in my lifetime and the first time in the life of my country, Arab countries in the region do not see Israel as an enemy, but increasingly as an ally. And I believe under your leadership, the change in our region creates an unprecedented opportunity to strengthen security and advance peace. To me, this is how I read that, that every other country in the region, meaning the Saudis, the Egyptians, the Jordanians, are working and willing to work now with Israel in an unprecedented alliance to stop Iranian hegemony in the region. I think what he said was true. Uh, I think that is the case. There is one stumbling block, and and I, from what I've heard, I haven't had a chance to digest the uh, the meetings today. Uh, President Trump is not as supportive as he once was of a two-state solution with Palestine. No, he said he's open to a bigger, better deal. Okay. If that's part of he it, he said one state, two states, right? What, or and then he went on to talk about a bigger, better deal. To me, what what my sources over the years have been telling me, right? And you know how important Israel is to me, right. is that there has been this growing friendship emerging with these nations and I neighbors. Think that's true, it is true. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Look at the speech, Jeff, of you know General Al Sisi, for example, when he took exactly. on radical Islamists, and we know the Saudis are scared to death of the Iranians giving a nuclear weapon. Well, that's right. That's right. And as, as I recall, uh, it was Israel who was helping defend Saudi Arabia a bit from uh, incoming missiles back in the Persian Gulf War. I mean, there's been a lot of time, a lot of water under the bridge here. And, uh, you know, the, these Islamic radicals, I mean, they want to kill Israel dead, but let's not forget, they just as soon do in general uh, Sisi in, in Egypt. They would just as soon do in the royal family in Saudi Arabia. Uh, there are a lot of folks in these Middle Eastern countries who are running these countries that they don't like. Well, I think uh, that, but so in that sense, there is a, an opportunity here to... Yes, to, there could be. I, I think, actually, I agree absolutely. with Netanyahu. I think the president does does very possibly have a unique opportunity. I do know um, that it will require, certainly on behalf of at least half those countries, that there be a solution uh, for Palestine, and it would likely be a state. That could be critical to this. If that's happening, uh, I completely agree with what you just reported, Sean. Yeah, I, you know, and that would be great for the world, yeah. because for the first time in especially after the last eight years of hostility by Obama towards Israel. For the first time, Jeff, I see that friendship, that natural alliance getting stronger than it's ever been, which is very bad news, especially based on we put Iran on notice. Sanctions have been put in place. The USS right. coal was sent off the coast of Yemen. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I think is going to be very important here is uh, one of the people is Jared Kushner, who uh, is uh, Jewish himself, uh, has uh, a lot of credibility in this area, and has certainly the confidence of uh, his father-in-law, the president. And I think that uh, the president has indicated he wants Jared to play a role in this. I think he's perfect to do so. I don't. I don't know if Jared has the credibility yet, but I'll tell you what. I'm glad that he's there. Uh, I see him as one of the rational people that's that's in the White House. Uh, okay. So. Uh, yeah, and Obama was so rational over the given the Iranians 150 billion dollars and, yeah, yeah, and giving yeah. ransom payments. Okay, he was so rational. Obama. Obama's not. Pre- I don't know if you got the memo. He's not president. Okay, anymore. you guys are still talking about Reagan, so I can talk about Obama for 25 more years. Thank you very much. All right, 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. Rick Unger, Jeff Lord, thank you both for being with us. When we come back, your calls. Thanks, John. Thanks, Rick. Straight
straight ahead. Exposing left-wing media bias. No stone left unturned. The Sean Hannity Show is back on the air. 25 till the top of the hour. Top two stories today. The historic meeting and comments at a joint press conference with the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, and President Donald Trump. And, of course, will the Attorney General impanel a grand jury to look into where these intelligent leaks are coming from? A violation of the Espionage Act. Anyway, let's get to your busy calls here. 800-941-SHOW. 800-941-SHAWN. I'm sorry. I'm reading as I do this. I'm uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Melody is in San Diego, California. News Radio 600. Kogo Radio. What's going on? How are you, Melody? Um, Hello, Sean. How are you? Thank you for making us number one in San Diego. We really appreciate it. You deserve it. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. Um, well, basically, I'm calling because I am just extremely fed up with what I'm seeing, um, the left tactics. I mean, these are like third world tactics. They did not win the election, and they will not stop. They're, at, they're proceeding as if Hillary won with their policy. And um, they just rejected the, the natural election. They're forcing the American people to continue under Obama's policies, and or they'll burn the nation down. And I just think that, um, you know, President um, Trump won the election. I'm not trying to tell him how to run his his the office of the presidency, but he had he does have laws to protect him from this type of behavior. Right. I mean, he has he has the United States Code 18, sections 23, 84, and 85 that makes it illegal to take over the nation by um, by force, by intimidation, by all type of things. And the media needs to be thrown out of the White House. They have freedom of the press. It doesn't mean they get to bully the um, president. The freedom of the press allowed them to be able to speak truthfully and not to be in fear of somebody's going to kill them. It does not allow them to have the rights that they're exercising. And I think that Trump needs to be able to um, to um, focus on running this country. He's doing an awesome job. I mean, he's he has the capability of being many people's favorite president of all time. He needs to concentrate on moving this nation forward, not playing with the media and and playing with their distractive tactics. So he needs to get mm-hmm. a, a legal team, a strong legal team, to handle the media, to handle the um, the um, judicial system. Congress can shut down the judicial system. They have authority over the courts. They need to use their, their God-given laws to control this country, or we're not going to have one. Well, let's just go to the law. You mentioned one. I've got another one, 18 U.S. Code. Uh, 798, and it is, this talks specifically about SIGDIT, which are signal intelligence, meaning phone intercepts, for example. It's one of the most serious felonies out there, and anybody can be prosecuted under federal law for disclosing this classified information uh, and reflecting how serious this is. They're they're supposed to, once an American is identified, and they were, again, hacking into a a phone conversation of a, a Russian ambassador, And it says the law, whoever knowingly and willfully communicates or otherwise makes available to an unauthorized person or publishes any classified information 
obtained by the processes of communication intelligence from the communications of any foreign government shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. Now, that Flynn might have lied about what was revealed through intelligence gathering by the NSA or the CIA or wherever it happened to be, you know, is irrelevant. They should have shut the fo- they should have shut the conversation down and or at least minimize it as we discussed earlier. That is that is what the law specifically states. In other words, minimizing the American intercept and only listening to the Russian side of the conversation. And according to a senior government official, Flynn phoned the Russian ambassador several times on the day the Obama administration announced the Russian officials, you know, that they were taking retaliation measures for the hacking that Russia and WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, for example, all deny. And the senior U.S. government official committed a serious felony by leaking this information. Now, that is the true story. That is what the media will not tell you. That is the story that we are covering because that is the relevant one. And I think if the attorney general is smart, he will take it to an impaneled grand jury and and move from there. And I think that this is going to go exactly the opposite way the media, as corrupt as they are, the colluding media, is going with the story. And I am usually tend to, tend to be right, and they always tend to be wrong. So I trust myself more than them. Anyway, thank you, Melody. God bless you. Appreciate it. Uh, let us say hi to uh, Dory is in Savannah, Georgia. Dory, how are you? Glad you called. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, sir. Mr. Handy, I am just uh, grateful for all that you do every um, day. You're and very I kind. You, well, I appreciate it, and I think everybody else does as well. And I'll tell you, like your last caller, I was, I'm was i very distressed about this. I am a Trump supporter all the way, and I think that what's going on, I mean, I, I I, I can look at this, and I wanted to ask your opinion if you feel this is an Obama shadow government thing that's happening. I went on, on Obama's site, and, of course, he has this thing on there for OFA, and he has pushed, obviously. I, I think he's the only president I know that has stayed in Washington after his term, and he has been promoting this kind of disruption, which I thought was considered sedition. Um, I've got to be I've got to be honest with you. I believe all of that and more. And I think Paul Sperry did a really thorough investigation and a great column on this. And we had him on the program yesterday to talk about it. And yes, the answer is, I I believe that Obama's furious beyond words. And I predicted he would be because what he's watching is basically within 100 to 200 days, it's going to be as though he never existed eight years in the White House. But for him doubling the debt or accumulating more debt than every other president before him combined and whatever lifetime appointments he might have made to the judiciary or judicial branch of government. That's it. I, I, There's nothing I, left. I, Everything else will I be gone. He does a sweep, a serious sweep, because the other thing is, is that, you know, these people won't stop. It's obvious. We, we play by the rules. They don't. And I think if nothing else Trump has to stay. President Trump has to stay with his supporters. All he has are the people, but we want him desperately and will do anything, you know, even if he relies on us because he sure as heck doesn't have the media or anybody else. Listen, you got you got to understand something. I think at this point and you you know, I will criticize Republicans when they're wrong. I've been ripping on them because they're not moving fast enough. And you're brilliant. You're right. All right, so I, I, if, if I see the president go off track, I will not be shy, I will not be quiet, and I will, I will call it out. But so far, what I love is he's keeping his promises. Now, yes. 
if he in this year, and it'll take a year, can get his economic plan, Obamacare repealed and replaced, the vetting system fixed that he's trying so hard to do to keep us safe, the wall begins to be built, energy independence and the pipelines begin to flow and we begin energy independence, if he can begin the process of strengthening our military, fixing the VA, building the wall, getting education sent back to the states, he will be judged by his promises kept and the success of his plan, which is, to me, as conservative as any president we've had since Reagan. And I, it's really that historic an opportunity. And the one thing, the reason I think you're seeing this frenetic pace of criticism and the Alinsky topic, uh, isolation you know, attacks daily on one uh, or, or two or three of the people surrounding him and the discrediting of him and the constant calling him a liar and this and that is because the one thing they fear the most on the left, I don't care if it's the establishment media, the establishment Democratic Party, even establishment weak liberal Republicans, they fear his success because success means failure for them. And on top of everything else, they're all going to be exposed as incompetent, uh, lacking understanding, and they will be outshined by a political novice and outsider businessman. And that that is nothing but fear because, the you know, this is the swamp. They want people dependent. They don't they, they believe in this globalist utopia where we almost give up our own nation's identity. And so for them, this is the biggest setback in their life. Destroying him politically in, in any way they can is is what their goal really is here. Anyway, I appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. James in California. James, how are you? Great, Sean. I was uh, calling about the interview you did with Jorge Ramos the other night, and I was watching the TV and screaming. Yes. I just couldn't believe at how he just it took every one of your facts that you cited <laughs> And, and used a citation of where you got it from and said, yeah, I don't believe that. That's wrong. And I was just absolutely livid with how he could believe that way. And well, I, play, I, is, I, played, I just, played for him everything. I, I, I did a long monologue leading up to it so that he could understand these facts, but he didn't want to realize it. Well, the thing is, is he's a host on a Spanish TV station, and my wife is Mexican. She absolutely loves him. And we watched that together, and I'm just like, oh, I can't believe this. And she was like, what? He's great. Everything's right. Well, listen, <laughs> oh, don't, listen, don't, don't be like these other couples that we were talking about last Friday that are divorcing because of the disagreements on who's the president. But, you know, try and find common areas. Maybe, maybe you go watch your own TV, and she can watch her TV, and you guys can meet in the well, middle of the night somewhere in the middle. But the thing is, is on his station, he doesn't have anybody like you to counter him. That's correct. So Not that, that I know of. You know, Listen, I'll go on his TV show. He's never invited me. I'd go on. Yeah, but they'd probably translate it incorrectly for you. No, stop. <laughs> no, I, they, well, stop it. I just say this. Um, I, don't, I like the idea of the wall and the door. I like the idea that we vet the people that come to our country. It, they don't have a right to come here. But we have a right to protect and a duty as president. He has a right and a duty to protect us. And this is the most comprehensive attempt to keep this nation safe and get us out from under the 9-11 mentality that we've had the last eight years. Anyway, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program as we say hi to Cam is in Billings, Montana. Cam, how are you? 
I'm doing good, Sean. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm calling because I am just upset over the lack of information that I see in the leaks regarding the stories that people are taking as truths or half-truths and turning them into facts. And I look at an example of, say, Watergate when it broke. At least those reporters with the Washington Post took their time, gathered facts, could back the information. A lot of the left is taking these leaks, stamping it approved, and going to, you know, attempt to get Trump out of office is the way that I see it. And I'm wondering at what point is Trump going to drop the hammer? I feel like this has aged me 10 years to where I'm ready to order Chamonique. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll get you 10 years younger. Get SOTK and get uh, Genucel. They work the best, by the way. And yeah, okay. Listen, I, I can only tell you that, yeah, there's a betrayal. You know, I, you're, you're kind of giving away my opening monologue on TV that I spent a lot of time writing today, and it's called Journalism's Debt. Journalism. No, I'm calling it. We have an informational crisis in America. That's what I'm oh, calling yeah. it. And, you know, it's kind of funny, and I don't want credit, but if anybody in the media, is there anybody that was more right about Obama than we were here on this program or vetted Absolutely. him? Absolutely. You guys are amazing, and I well, and I definitely look to your opinion. I, I think journalism as a whole is dead. It's dead. It's totally it's dead and buried. And you know what? I'm not looking for credit. I just I just know they're corrupt. I know that they're dishonest. They're lazy. They have an agenda. It's radical left, mm -hmm. and that's where all of this is coming from. That's why I say journalism is dead, and we have an informational crisis. And I'll give examples and show you tape tonight that's going to blow your mind. And, I'll definitely watch. And and they were wrong about Donald Trump, too. And even some of my so-called intellectual conservative brethren, they couldn't have been more wrong. And rather well, than I admit that hope. rather than admit that they were wrong and say, you know what? You know, I, I had doubts about him. But look at what he's doing with Gorsuch. Look at the meeting, the, the joint press conference with Netanyahu. Look at his promises kept on vetting in the wall and and building well, up our military are key and i hope he continues with that because He's evil. your pride is hard enough but seeing him stay the course is amazing here's and my it, here's it my best description voted for him here's my i think donald trump's best quality you ready and i've been around him i've known him for two decades you ready what i think his best quality is sure he's extraordinarily courageous He's fearless. I agree. Because, well, it takes that to be the leader of the free world and, yeah. and additionally to implement what he's doing and to change what has been done over the last eight years in the face of everything that is happening with the drive-by media and false reports and leaked information. Yeah, it's this ridiculous. Is, and I have every belief he's going to get to the bottom of this. And the FBI probably is investigating now. And I expect uh, Senator Sessions, well, now Attorney General Sessions, will be on this uh, very quickly. Anyway, Cam, good call. Thank you. All the best out in Montana. What a beautiful place Montana is. I'd love to live there one day. I know I told you forever I want, a, I want a ranch, a baby ranch. Not one of the big ranches that I have to stay working on it every second of every day. But I would just, I don't know, I just want to be alone for, for like a month on my life. Just one month. And maybe when I die, I'll just go out into the, the acreage of my, my, my ranch and just pass away out in the wilderness. If I know my time is short. Say goodbye to my family and just walk away. The information you need, the truth you demand. This is the Sean Hannity Show.
All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, the information crisis America is facing. Well, full coverage, my opening monologue tonight on TV, Piers Morgan, Joe DeGeneva on the law here. That is, what laws were broken, the Espionage Act among them, targeting the leaks. How are we going to get to this? Can we convene a grand jury? The head of the intel uh, community, Devin Nunez, will join us, as will Stephen King, who said this is a political assassination. Dr. Gorko's under fire joins us, 10 Eastern tonight, Fox. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.